Hello, hello. I am Karen Jean-François, and this is the Women in Data podcast. Join me every other week to hear data professionals discuss how data is used in various industries, get inspired, get your fill of tips to help you overcome challenges on your career, and feel great. Let's get straight into it. I am joined today by Swati Sudaka, Director of Product Analytics at Carditics, to talk about starting a career in data science. While in the previous episode, Bianca Partington spoke about managing data teams, this week we address those who are new to the field or simply curious. That said, Swati has an amazing point of view on the different roles in data science that I believe everyone should hear, junior or not. In this episode, you will hear why data science is important today, what questions you need to ask yourself when starting your journey in data science, what hiring managers are looking for, how to build data science skills, and even when to apply for a job. Also, with the reveal of the 20 data technology being next Thursday, that's Thursday 20th of May, Angela Lillis, who was one of the 20 in data and technology in 2019, will be joining me towards the end of this episode to talk about her experience as a 20 in data and how the campaign encourages girls to consider careers in data by providing them with role models. Let's listen to Swati. Hey Swati, welcome to the Women in Data podcast. Hi Karen, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. We are going to talk about a very hot topic right now. I cannot believe I waited so long to do that podcast, but it's about data science, what data scientists do, all the different roles in data science, and what differentiates data scientists within the field. Questions everybody asks all the time is, what's the difference between a data scientist and a data analyst? Everybody has their own opinion. I think your definition of it is the best I've heard so far, and I can't wait for you to share it with, with the guests. Before we start, could you could I invite you to introduce yourself? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I love that we're talking about data science. It is definitely a, a very talked about topic, so a debated topic, so I'm happy to share my views. So just a little bit about myself. Uh, I've worked at Cardedix for the last uh, five years or so. I'm in year six now. My background is in data science and analytics, both. I started out as a core data scientist and gradually moving towards the business. They held many different roles, uh, client-facing, core data scientist. Now I'm working closer with product. So there's just a lot uh, I've done at Cardedix uh, over the last five years. So in terms of what brought me into data science, I think it's just probably the curiosity of uh, understanding the business through the data. And I think there wasn't, when I started at least, enough rigor around that. Finance has always been very rigorous, but there wasn't enough rigor around understanding the rest of the business through the data. And uh, that's what kind of got me into the field. I'm sure almost everyone that gets into data science or analytics has a similar story, right? They just want to go understand what's going on in the background through the data. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. You're based in Atlanta, so Carly says we work for the same company. I'm not sure if I met you in person, really. I came to Atlanta two years ago, 
there were so many new faces to meet. I can't remember. We might have been at the same conference, maybe, and we might have maybe I vaguely remember saying hello to you, but I can't guarantee guarantee that that is a real memory. But yeah, we've met many times on Zoom, and we worked uh, on many projects. Now. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's funny, right? Like so we're so close yet yet haven't met in person as much. Yeah, maybe at some point. Yeah, some yeah. someday we'll all travel again and we'll all be like in person again. <laughs> someday soon, hopefully. So let's get to talking about data science. There is a really big rising number of people being interested into data science. So obviously that started a few years ago and it's been growing since. But with the lockdowns, especially in the UK, I don't know if you see that in the US, but in the UK, there are more and more people who are realizing actually data science jobs are a bit safer than the other jobs because you can do them from home. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's also kind of future-proof-ish because it's technology, it evolves with it. And there are loads of people transitioning at the moment into the field, but they, they are asking for guidance. And even people who are already into the field, sometimes they're struggling to understand the differences between jobs. So maybe you could give us a bit of an explanation of what are the different roles in the teams and what type of different profiles you see yeah yeah for sure now i i want to i want to address the point about like you know how data science has become a hot field right now and many people are considering it and maybe even like a sought after field safe field however you want to put it right from an investor standpoint almost all investors look for a very strong data science presence in companies that they invest in. Like it's almost table stakes, right? Like I've I've been in many different uh, forums where investors would not even consider companies that don't have a smart way of approaching their business. So if anything, data science is helping businesses be smart about their decisions, make good decisions and evaluate the business through the data, right? So that's why it is going to probably be a very important field for a long time to come. The mechanics of how data science is conducted will probably evolve and it's already evolving in the last decade. When I first started out as a data scientist, what I assumed to be data science was is very different than what data science is today. So you're just gonna have to watch the trends and understand where the industry is going because this field is here to stay, right? Like it's gonna be a function, it's gonna be a, a solid department in every business moving forward. Now, in terms of how entry-level analysts or anyone, not even entry-level, right, anyone who's in a different field and is wanting to move into data science and enter a new chapter in their career, right, how they should think about it, I think, is, first of all, what, what excites them, right? Because there are different parts of data science. You don't even need to be a very technical person some, uh, to do some roles in data science. And then some roles are, of course, extremely technical. Right. So it's about understanding what you want to do as an individual. What is kind of fundamentally required, I think, in all aspects of data science is a curiosity to understand a problem and kind of that critical thinking skills. That is definitely table stakes here, like problem solving. But once you have that basic interest and then you want to go deeper into certain parts, then you need to think about it, I think, in two angles. Do you want to help influence policy? and human decision-making, or do you want to help build scalable systems for machines to do data science in an automated way, right? I think that's the fundamental kind of classification in my mind. 
So I know there's there are different phrases as analysts and data scientists and machine learning engineers and data engineers and all of that. I would say just kind of distill it in this lens, right? If you want to be on policy and business decision making, you're going to need a different uh, set of skills and a different set of tools. There's overlap, of course, between both these. I would say in some ways, I kind of operate in the middle of both those worlds because I've been on both sides and I find that there's a lot that can be done to bridge the business decision-making and the machine decision-making. And then if you want to be on the more of the technical data scientist for machines type of a person, you need to be thinking about uh, your full stack skills, your engineering skills. You know, how can you write optimized code and how can you build like production ready models and things like that on the data science for human side you want to think more about prototyping helping make quick decisions helping evaluate ideas and trying to set the business up to go make the right decision right so that's kind of fundamentally how i look at it and if you start thinking of it that way then you you know the skills that you need are going to be different and of course communication skills won't hurt anywhere roles you need to have good communication skills but for the data science for the business side your PowerPoint and data storytelling skills are going to be important. On the data science for machine side, your ability to write full stack code is going to be important, right? So if that makes sense. If, uh, yeah, it does. It does. I was listening to you trying to find out where I was in all that. And I'm definitely on the business side of things. So, and it's a, a fine place to be, right? In fact, we need a lot of people bridging that gap, right? Yeah. There aren't enough people who can talk to the business and talk technical. Right. So that, that was a very, very interesting definition. And it definitely shows us the different parts and how everybody fits in there. When it comes to hiring a data scientist or a data analyst, what it is that hiring managers look for? I think this is evolving too over the years, right? And the answer is probably different based on the industry, based on the companies and how people think about it. I can talk for Cardlytics and the tech space, right? In the tech space, I think it's pretty much now started coming down to those two definitions that I provided. So if you're looking for someone on the data science for human side, you're looking for really good SQL skills. You're looking for someone who can uh, problem solve very well and, and explain their ideas, articulate their ideas really clearly. You're looking for someone who can probably build baseline models like clustering and classification and just use tools, automated data science tools like DataRobot and all these other tools that are available. So that's kind of what I would say I'm generally looking for as a hiring manager. And I'm sure it just varies, right, from one role to the other. But it's much, the softer skills become very important on the data science for human side. But on the data science for machines uh, angle, you're looking much more for those hardcore coding skills, right? How strong are you on Python? How strong are you on TensorFlow and Keras and all these other uh, tools that are out there that help build scalable data science models and deep learning models? So that's kind of the difference. So if you're a, someone who's very interested in deep learning, I would recommend you definitely think more about the engineering angle, the, the machine angle. But if you're someone who's very interested in talking to customers and understanding how to develop like prototypes of problems and how to formulate problems, then you should probably focus more on the uh, data science for human side. So I think hiring managers are starting to 
see that difference, especially as I'm interviewing, right? I ask, I try to gauge what is your interest really? Are you more interested in coding and deep learning? Or are you more interested in explaining the models, right? So that is kind of what I would say everyone that's applying to these roles should think about for themselves because hiring managers are certainly looking for that. So what you're saying is before you even start applying for the jobs, you need to know which way you, you want to branch towards so that when you get to the interview, you know what to focus on really and what to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Because you need to know what drives you as a person and what you're interested in, right? And this is a tough question because I struggle with this myself. So I like to do multiple things. I like to go build deep learning models. I like to talk to a customer. So what do I do, right? Like at some point, you could like start by trying different things, go do different roles, right? Just be conscious of what you're applying for and what they're looking for. So you need to make sure you're bringing out that aspect of your skill set in the interview to align with what that role is specifically. And job descriptions are starting to state this pretty clearly now, right? Like you can tell but based on certain lines, like it'll say that you need to be really strong at full stack or you need to be really strong at TensorFlow. In that case, it's likely a data science for machines type of a you know, role or maybe aligned to that team, right? It may not be 100% that are aligned there. But if you see more segmentation and customer-specific problem-solving and things like that, you can expect more of a communication angle there. Yeah, and I really love that because basically because everybody was kind of trying to understand what it was and you apply for a job and you never really know what you're going to end up doing because everything is so vague in the job description but also in the interviews. So seeing that getting a bit more defined nowadays is very, I want to say, a relief and it's such a big step forward for data professionals. Yeah, um, for sure. I, and I understand the confusion because as hiring managers, we struggle with that too, right? We have to be very clear in what the role is that we're defining. And that's where I think the challenge starts. So if you don't see a clear job description, it could be because the company hasn't figured that out yet. So in yeah. that case, I would ask a lot of questions, right? I would go in and say, hey, what exactly will this team do? And figure out where the team is aligned. Is it aligned into sales, marketing, or finance? Is it aligned into engineering? That will give you some clues as well on what the role could be. Yeah. Now you, you have all these in mind, all these things you want to focus on and in what direction you really want to give your career. How do you actually go and build these skills? There are just so many schools of thought on that I will share with you what was useful for me right and again when I went to school to study like data science it wasn't called data science that field didn't exist and it was much more operations research or statistics or it was much more traditional right so I come from a traditional kind of training and traditional exposure so I had to adapt along the way into what data science really became and so I used a lot of open source tools that were available in open source information sources, right? Kaggle has been a great input for me. I'd really highly recommend anyone who's trying to get into data science to go just try a couple of Kaggle problems, right? Those are real problems. You have companies like Instacart and Google and all these companies posting problems that they want people to solve. And it just gives you exposure into what that field is all about. Now, again, keep in mind that Kaggle probably will lean a little bit towards the machine side because they're much more algorithm heavy. But what I love about some of these problems in Kaggle is it gives you hands-on training to formulate these problems, 
how would you set it up what is your data input like a majority of the problem solving for building data science models is in data preparation and setting up your data right so go get your hands dirty with that right i would say that's a great way to start of course there's tons of coursera courses udacity courses all these uh, you know online uh, universities that give you just so many options so if you decide you want to be a data scientist there's just so many paths to get there but the most important thing is getting your hands dirty with some data when you are talking about about that i was thinking yes there is actually so much out there but also when you uh, are studying to become a data science professional i've had someone telling me so there is someone who told me there is so much to learn i don't know when to stop learning and start doing the actually applying for work what would you say to that when would you say okay this is enough i know enough to actually be able to apply for a role and secure a role in data science i think this is where different people respond to that depending on how confident they feel about their own skills right yeah I, mean, I, feel, <laughs> i feel many times a lot of people feel they know less than they actually do what i would recommend is that you get really good with being able to extract data and being able to set up data sets and then learn about a few types of modeling methods supervised learning unsupervised learning maybe scratch the surface of deep learning what is it all about just learn the high level but be able to build a model from beginning to end including data preparation all the way to kind of building out the model and the most important aspect is after you've built the model how do you evaluate that model what does this mean for the business right practice that practice being able to interpret the output and interpret the meaning for the business so if you were using this model to advise leadership to do something what would your advice be if you if you can get to that full cycle through some examples either through kago either through whatever other sources that you're using i think you're ready to apply for jobs that's what i'm looking for when i hire someone i'm like wanting your intelligent advice your data based kind of opinion on what i should do here right so if you feel confident that you can provide that to me i will hire you so i'm sure many hiring managers would think the same way yeah and it's so important really you mentioned the fact that okay practice interpreting the data and understanding what it means for the business so often this is disregarded so you have a lot of junior analysts or entry level analysts well i'm talking analysts because i'm more in the analyst side of things than data science side of things coming into interviews and not being able to make this link so doing all the math being excited with the programming but when you ask a question about oh how would that help the business or how would you apply that to the business what advice would you give you can tell that this is not something they considered and they never thought about it while it's quite important because at the end of the day you need to have some kind of usefulness for the the analysis you've provided absolutely i mean it's very important for every person aspiring to be a data scientist to understand that a data scientist is really like an advisor and the business is relying on you for critical advice so you can use whatever tools you want to go develop that advice the better the tools the better your advice right but at the end of the day you need to be able to use your judgment 
to bridge the gap in the data, to bridge the gap in the tools, to come up with what you recommend. So that is probably one of the most important skills of all for a data scientist. Yeah, and also, so you said this is one of the responsibility, a really big responsibility. Another one is making sure your data is not biased. What do you say on that? Now, that is a very highly debated topic, and it's also one that's very close to my heart. I'm passionate about making sure there's no bias in the data. And I feel like it's it's every it's a responsibility of every data scientist and data professional, and honestly, the executives too, right, of businesses. And more and more people care about this right now. Unfortunately, data reflects the bias in the society. So if you just use data as it is, you're not doing anything wrong, really. You're just like reflecting the bias in the society. However, your products are then going to be biased. So, or your, your recommendations are going to be biased depending on which side of the spectrum you're on. It is very important for data scientists to be aware of this and take action because that you're one, uh, doing a favor to your company and more importantly, you're doing a favor to the people that your product is going to service, right? Your product is not going to provide uh, a quality service if it only services one part of the society. Now, a few tools of how to solve this problem is what I would really like to talk about because I feel like there's enough debate about the bias in AI and everything like that. The reason this problem hasn't been solved yet is it is a tough problem to solve from a methodology standpoint. It is tough to break open the models and make them explainable. I would recommend uh, data scientists go research tools like SHAP and LIME. These are all uh, tools that help you explain models better, right? And explain the key drivers of models, the most important variables. So then when you, when you look at that and you understand from your human brain what is bias and not, you're in a much better place to correct these models and make adjustments. There's just a lot of research going on in this space and it's something data scientists should watch very closely because it's gonna be a core part of everyone's job. It, it is already a core part of everyone's job and as these tools get better, it's gonna be even more important that we implement it. All right, thank you. So before we, we close this episode, if you had, let's say, a couple of tips to give to someone who wants to start into data science, you already gave us so many so many great tips, but what would be your, your best tips? Don't be intimidated by the tools and all the techniques and the complexity of it, because you only need to use those tools that are relevant to the problem you're solving. You don't need to learn every tool. But what you really need to focus on is a problem you're solving. So don't, don't hesitate to dive in. I've felt that myself. I felt intimidated by everything that's out there and the rate at which it changes. Just don't worry about it. Go dive into the problem. Start with a tool. Improvise. Iterate. Right? It was important to start. That's a very nice and philosophical way to end up this episode. Thank you so much, Swati, for joining me on the Women in Data podcast. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Special episode today. We are one week for the announcement of the 20 in data for 2020. Announced in 2021, but hey, 2020 was a crazy year. So we've been waiting for that. Roshin and Pail have been talking about it in the first episode of the year of the Women in Data podcast. And we're just one week away. So I am super excited to be joined today by... Angela Lilis, who was one of the 20 in data in 2019. Hi, Angela. 
Hello, Karen. As I said, super excited to have you today. We are going to talk about 20 data and technology. You've been doing some great stuff with the campaign from two years ago, and I can't wait to hear about that. First, could you just start by telling us about who you are? Yeah, so as you mentioned, I'm Angela. I'm currently Senior Data Insight Manager at Marks & Spencer, working on the fashion side of the business. Essentially, me and my team use a lot of advanced analytics to really get under the skin of customer behavior and combine uh, research with that and insight to really work out what the customer is up to and how that influences decisions that are being made across the business. And as you mentioned, in 2019, I was one of the 20 women in data and technology. And since then, I think one of my missions on top of work is to really use that platform to be an even louder advocate than I was before about not just the power of women, but the power of data and how the two combined has such a phenomenal impact. Yeah, that sounds like a really great mission to be on. So Angela, how did you react when you got that call with Women in Data telling you you were part of the 20 in Data and Technology? <laughs> well, it was it was a surprise. So I knew I'd been nominated. So two lovely women in my team nominated me and I will be forever grateful uh, to Sarah and B who submitted the nomination. I knew Roisin was going to call me. I just very vividly remember that day I just stepped off the train in Glasgow and um, because I was there for a few days I was speaking to Roisin and she spent quite a while telling me about how hard it had been to select the 20 and that there's so many great women out there and really building the x-factor style tension mm. yeah so then it just came as a shock when she then said congratulations and it didn't properly sink in, to be honest. It was only after I put the phone down that I think I truly realised the scale of it. It was really quite surreal. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Had a little cry. Um, you know, just, just to prove to you all, it isn't all glamour. I did have a little cry in prep. Um, but um, it just meant a lot as it sunk in about quite just the fact that people had noticed and you know I generally used to keep my head down and get work done but that recognition and bringing that forward was just just surreal really that's all I can really say back to these photo shoot Angela (laughs) (laughs) you were part of the billboard campaign so that means that you had your face blasted on a massive billboard that was in Stratford wasn't it it was in various different places. So the first one that I saw was the one in uh, Westfield in Stratford, which was humongous. I think that's the technical definition of the size. Um, But then also they were across various different billboards across the country, in cinema foyers, um, on the tube. It was bizarre, yes. There were six of us out of the 20 who were on that. And it was a really great campaign I have to you know I have to say so many thank yous and congratulations to Rachel Keane who managed to get not only the billboards and done but also out there nationwide getting that support from the advertising agencies to really get that done was just incredible it was a great campaign for girls in data um so to champion 
the idea that you shouldn't just look to the TV for role models. There are role models in everyday life and also to try and debunk some of the harsher stereotypes there are about women in data because we're all different. Some of us, you know, will wear makeup and heels and dresses all the time. Others won't. Most of us are somewhere in between. All of those horrible stereotypes we've seen in various cartoons when we were growing up aren't necessarily true. Well, they don't have to be true. And so seeing that and seeing what impact it could be having was incredible. Would you say that this was the biggest impact on their community? So helping the girls looking up to other role models that are not necessarily on TV, but that shows that it could be anyone around you? We know that there are problems all along the chain and issues that really we need to work through. But one of the biggest in terms of its long-term impact, as you say, is the fact that girls are less likely to be picking STEM subjects despite being you know, really good at them. And actually, that's not necessarily the job they see themselves in, partly because they don't know that some of the jobs exist. Well, I left school not having the foggiest what career I was going to be in, just knowing the subjects that I enjoyed in school. Um, because I didn't know my job existed or anything like it. I only knew that numbers in a business would be finance. I didn't realize that there would be more to this and greater. And and even now, every time I look at LinkedIn, there's a completely brand new world to it. And the fact that, you know, analytics and data science and technology are forever evolving just means that there's more and more opportunities along the way as well. And so just piquing that interest from people and particularly parents and young girls is something that is so important for us to enable us in 20 years time to have enough people knocking at that door at a senior level. So next week is the reveal of the 20 in data and technology for 2020. What are your wishes for the, the next 20 in data? <sighs> the main thing I will say is enjoy every minute. You're there because you've been recognised as an exciting voice that can continue the dialogue that is so important. And if anything is more important this year than it has been before, um, you know, after everything that happened in 2020, various studies have shown that the pandemic hit women harder and the news cycle in recent months has shown how far women still have to go, even just to feel safe let alone feeling equal and feeling empowered. Thank you for listening to the Women in Data podcast. If you don't want to miss the next episode, make sure you follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or on LinkedIn. You can also register to the community for free by heading to womenindata.co.uk. We would love to hear from you, so don't be shy and drop us some feedback or a review. This will help us enhance the content and bring the guests that you want to hear from. Have a great day.